You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. How many of you appreciate Pastor Ann and Dr. Holler? How many of you appreciate these guys and the great leadership they bring? I, we've known each other a, a day and a half. I don't know how you spell day after that, but it's an honor. Four zero, that's great. And I'm also honored to have another lifelong friend here, Don Day, who's a, a local native here. And uh, a dear friend was a missionary to Haiti and has been a great gift as a friend in so many ways in helping our ministry uh, around the world over the years. But coming back to you today, man, I mean, what a great Sunday, what a great time, back to school. I love back to school outreaches. I, I mean, I, I, I just love the, that opportunity because as I pastored a church on the Jersey Shore, we would invite and pack out the school gymnasium uh, on a Sunday morning and it would be filled with families and I would begin to preach. Look, you may wonder why a church would want to give away backpacks and school supplies. Well, number one, we believe in a good education. Number two, we believe that the best education believes when you know Jesus Christ. I just, just ride my donkey up to the front gate on that one. And we'd have people give their life to Jesus. So I get excited every time I hear about backpacks and school supplies and, and my daughter and son-in-law today in Irving, they're doing the same thing in their church. So I'm thrilled. I commend you. Go for it. Do it. Make yourself absolutely necessary that if the river shut down, this church would go, what happened? Oh, no. And they'd miss you. Not just because there's another empty building, but they'd miss how you serve, how you bless, how you love people, how you smile when you go through town. Well, hey, anyone watching the Olympics these days? I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's great. It's, uh, uh, I enjoy it. My wife was a junior Olympics qualifying swimmer. So I was telling Dr. Holler the other day, I sit and watch there while she yells at the swimmers as a coach. <laughs> Because that's what she is. Her brother qualified for the Mexico Olympics years ago in swimming. So they know swimming. And, and she's telling them, don't glide. Swim to the wall. Swim to the, don't glide. I mean, all the, you know, and I'm going, okay. You know, I, I do good to doggy paddle. So we're doing all right. <laughs> but it's a crazy time to be here in America. I mean, look, we all know that. Boy, our nation has, needs a lot of help, doesn't it? Our communities, our neighborhoods, our friends, our family. And I'm so often reminded of that verse in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You know that, don't you? That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You know that verse. And I, have you ever wondered what kind of people will really respond to that call. Now, those that simply pray, well, Jesus help this country. I don't think those are the ones who pray and whose prayers really pierce heaven's ears. But I want to speak to you about that this morning. I'm a missionary to America. I've been called a pastor, an evangelist, a preacher, uh, all kinds of names. And, but I'm really a missionary to this country. And so I look at what's going on in the world and as well as very close to me. So I, I want to speak to you from that perspective. It's something that's, that's stirring in the deep recesses of my heart and of my spirit. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about temperature. It's summertime, isn't it? I mean, you know, as, as, as we were getting ready for summer, one of the leading New York City newspapers at the end of May had a lead article with this headline. They were kind of prophetic. It, they said, this summer is going to be as hot as, and I won't say it, we all know it. <laughs> After living in Arizona, as I did for 16 years, I'm very much familiar with extreme heat. And in most places, the summer season is one we, 
we really look forward to. I mean, look, starting in kindergarten, our lives are centered around summertime. Think about it for just a moment. Summertime, vacation, no school, family reunions. They may or may not be a blessing. Travel, <laughs> camps, lakes, beach, mountains. We can't wait for summer to get it. I can't wait. I, I grew up on the Jersey Shore. I love the ocean. I don't have much use for lakes. I'm an ocean guy. Forgive me. Yeah, but, but whenever, I mean, if I go to California, I'm going to jump in the ocean. If I go to Florida, I don't care if I got one hour, I'm going to jump in the ocean. And if you wanted a title for this today, we could call it Let's Turn Up the Heat. You may think I'm a little crazy because it is hot. I mean, you know, sometimes my line is it's better to burn in this life than the next when I look at 109 on my car <laughs> thermometer. But, but there's something of a phenomenon that is related and linked to the natural climate and temperature we've just talking about, talked about this seasonal change. Maybe you've noticed it. It might not happen here in Oklahoma, but it does in Texas. When the summer temperatures change and rise, sometimes spiritual temperatures lower or drop. Like I said, I know it doesn't happen here, but it happens in other places. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, I, I need to look at this for just a moment with you. And I'm going to read Dr. Holler from the New Living Translation, oh. if that's okay. <laughs> It says it like I feel it for the moment. <laughs> Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. That's got to be in Texas because they got everything every town down there. <laughs> this is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. That gets scary when you realize God knows all the things we do. Say all with me. All. When the Bible says all, what does it mean? All. Oops. I know all the things you do. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Hot versus cold. There's no really, it's not really a choice, is there? I think there might be. This letter reveals a spiritual temperature reading of our life that often becomes ours at times, including holidays and summer and vacation. You see, I'm talking to you in the context of the people who will cry out to God in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and God will hear their prayer and bring a healing to our land. In reading the New Testament, I've made some discoveries. Now, I, I'm Jewish by birth, so I wasn't raised in church. Secondly, I'm from New Jersey. How many of you know that's not the Bible Belt? <laughs> Just checking our, our spiritual geography. Thirdly, I was a heroin addict that was arrested in the largest narcotics bust ever in the history of the state of New Jersey up until that time and thrown out of the state of New Jersey. I had, I had that, to have that happen to meet Jesus in a parking lot in, in our neighbor north, Kansas. <laughs> but in reading the New Testament, I've made some discoveries that have led me to draw some conclusions. So I want to present my discoveries to you as if I were an attorney or a lawyer. Now, forgive me. I know some of you, that's a dirty word, being a lawyer. But look at me this morning for just a moment. I'm approaching it as a lawyer presenting my case in order to bring to you my conclusions. I have two bodies of evidence. First body of evidence, I've discovered this. It's always a good idea to examine the beginnings and origins of something when you want to find out more about it, isn't it? For instance, when you buy a building, you check out the foundation. 
Uh, our family today, Ancestry.com, tracing your, you know, I, I don't like to shake my family tree. I know I got apples that got worms in them that had fall down. I know that. I mean, I had the thought driving up through Sherman. My grandfather was born in Sherman. I, I don't have much of a clue about him. He was a drifter. I know he had a lot of family. And every time I meet somebody from this part of the country that says their name is Hankel, I figure we're probably connected someplace, somewhere, somehow. But even in our relationships, if you counsel a marriage, you often go back, well, how did you meet? How did your relationship begin? So origins are very important. As we look to the beginnings of the church of Jesus Christ and Christianity itself, We've got to go back to its historical early records. Acts chapter 2, amen, is a great place to begin. How many of you read Acts chapter 2? You know that old statement, if they don't believe the gospel, give them the Acts. All right, jokes will get better closer to noon. You go back to Acts chapter 2, the early historical records of the church, the birth of the church, the inaugural church service of Christianity. Wow, it was a Holy Ghost invasion. Yeah. I mean, there were tongues of fire. Can you imagine the people walked in here and they went, they all got tongues of fire on their head. Whoa. They'd be backed up down the freeway trying to hop the fence to get in here. I mean, there were supernatural occurrences, miracles. There was new birth, not just addition, but multiplication. I mean, 3,000 people got saved the first day of the church, the first church service. That sets a pattern. You may not have 3,000, but you ought to have folks getting saved all the time. Amen. There was fellowship. There was a sense of community and connection and belonging. Hey, it, church was not boring. I mean, there was persecution. There was some conflict amongst the apostles. There's a little disagreement, a little stress. Then when it came to the offering, well, you know, there was this married couple one time and they sold a piece of property north of town. Ananias shows up and comes to bring his offering and the elder said, you sold a piece of property, didn't you? Yep. How much you sell it for? X. Well, X wasn't true. It was actually Y. But he tithed off of X. They said, are you sure, brother? Absolutely. Boom. <laughs> Holy Ghost strikes him dead. Then in comes his wife, Sister Sapphira. And she confirms her husband's story. And they said, are you sure, sister, that's the story? Yes, sir. Well, you hear those footsteps? Them's the same guys that just carried out your husband's body. Boom, she's gone. How many of you know the offerings went up that day? <laughs> I mean, look, church was not boring. The church was a place of purpose and meaning and power as it should be today. Now that is my first body of evidence I submit to you regarding Christianity. The second a body of evidence, my additional evidence, are found in the passages of Scripture. How many of you believe the Bible provides good documentation for life as well as evidence. How many of you believe the Bible here? Absolutely. Okay, so please note carefully these words of Scripture with me. Romans 12, 11 from the New King James, I'm getting closer, the New King James Version. <clears throat> Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, again from the New King Jimmy. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. John 2, 7, I, how many of you love the Bible? I'm just going to quote the Bible for a moment or two. Is that okay? Thank you for your permission. Amen. John 2, 17, then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Luke 24, 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us 
while he, talking about Jesus, they were walking down the road and Jesus just kind of showed up after the resurrection and they didn't quite recognize him and he's talking to them and something just kind of burned inside of them. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road while he opened the scriptures to us? Can I give you one last verse on this again? Thank you very much. Luke 12, 49. I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. You see, nowhere in scripture, my friends, do I get a picture of a once a week convenience oriented little mini gathering that applies a little salve to our soiled conscience. And we slice it and dice it and present it in such a palatable manner, just so you can feel a little okay. This kind of religion fits neatly into our pocket or our purse. We can pull it out when we need it. It doesn't emphasize getting into the word of God and the word of God getting into you. Being part of a local family of God and spreading the good news of Jesus where we live. Amen. You see, by this evidence, I've come to the conclusion that Christianity was never meant to be lived at any temperature but red hot. My wife and I were driving through the desert a few weeks ago between Los Angeles and Phoenix. It's hot. And we're by Palm Springs and I see a billboard for a church. And the church is called Church 212. Well, my wife was driving, so I pulled out my source of information. And I'm Googling Church 212, or safariing actually. Church 212 in the middle of the desert. And it begins to unfold something to me that I'm going, yeah! <laughs> 212 degrees. That's the boiling point. Now, you see, the boiling point is the point and the type of God's people who will cry out to God and see God move. To illustrate this, please consider with me one of the, the, the greatest and most needful natural elements we have is water. Excuse me for just a moment. Water is great at any temperature. This, water is good, isn't it? It's useful and essential to our lives. Two thirds of the earth is made up of water. About 65% of our body is water weight. Sometimes, ladies, God, I wish there was a lot less. <laughs> it's vital to the sustenance of our being. We drink it. We bathe in it. Amen. Amen. We water our lawns when they let us. We wash our dishes in our cars. Hey, we even have fun in it. And so much more. Water has multiple uses at its different temperatures. We like ice cold drinks, iced tea. Ice helps preserve food. Ice, we can go ice skating. At least some of us can. Uh, then there is room temperature, which is this. It's all right. As a preacher, I prefer to drink room temperature water because this ragged old throat from preaching on streets and outdoor stuff, this is as good as it gets. So I need all the help I can get. But there's something about water. The hotter it gets, the more powerful and dangerous it becomes. When it hits the boiling point, it turns to steam. It can power locomotives. There is a steam catapult that can catapult jet planes off of aircraft carriers in the ocean because it's so powerful. Steam can dominate and penetrate an area. It can cause great damage. 
You see, I believe our lives with Christ, my friend, are lived best and at the maximum peak and purpose when we've turned up the heat and we are living at 212 degrees, the boiling point with Jesus Christ. That's why it may sound crazy during the summer, but let's turn up the heat. We must turn up the heat in America. We must turn up the heat in church. Look, living at 180, I mean, just living at room temperature really isn't that great. Not when we follow Christ. When we realize all that we hear and learn is not simply for our accumulation, but it's for application to our lives in the world around us. All the great things of the world in Christianity. Yes, we can accumulate, but we can apply it to us in the world that we live in. Now, let me go back to the book of Revelation with you for just a moment here today. In Revelation chapter 2, I'm going to begin in verse 1. These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstand. Here he goes again. I know your works, your labor, your patience. Wait a minute. He's encouraging us and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not. You know, the guys who have stuff like that on a business card, but really don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just thought I'd say and have found them liars, and you've persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name, and have not become weary. He's gone, I commend you. You've done good here. Nevertheless, uh-oh, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Ooh. Like you're going through the motions, you're doing good but you're doing the motions here. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I'll come quickly to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Ouch! Unless you repent or change. But then he gives another encouraging word, but this you have. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They were a nasty bunch of folk, which I also hate, Jesus said. He who has an ear, how many of you want to listen to Jesus today? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. How many of you want to overcome? Yeah. Amen. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You see, this is extremely important today. I'm not lambasting anybody, but I'm saying, guys, we have an incredible moment and opportunity. We've got to ratchet up the heat and the temperature in our life and our walk with Christ in order to change our world. This becomes particularly relevant to us after we've been in church for a while. We know how to do it. You know, we know when to stand up and sit down. Say praise the Lord. Yeah. Looking good, Pastor. Here's a buck for the bucket. Two bucks for the bucket, absolutely. Bless the Lord. Church becomes culture yes. and not life. Can you remember, dear saints, when you first encountered Jesus Christ? Can you recall? Oh, the love that was in your heart. It was just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you. The words, thank you. The attitude of gratitude was, was all over you. Before it became a routine. Yeah, that's good. You see, being a Christian is not simply a nice sanitized religious routine of life. But it is a living relationship with a living God filled with power and meaning and purpose. Some of us ran from church because we saw people living by routine and that power and passion. 
And I like to bring a message home. I've been graced to preach for 46 years. I started when I was two and a half. Uh, a little bit older than that. But I like to bring a message home to where we live. I want you to have news. Anyone get anything out of this this morning? Yes. Dr. Holler would lend me notes and I could preach another sermon in the next 10 minutes, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, then I'm just checking. I'm a pulse taker by nature. If we're talking about turning up the heat, how do we find the dial? How do we find the switch to hot bringing us to the boiling point? Are you ready for this? I know you are. Number one. Get your focus. Keep your focus. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, you know, some of us get afraid. Well, uh, I've heard the saying, I'm, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. That's baloney. If you are Bible heavenly minded, you are all the earthly good. Amen. I mean, if you're Bible heavenly minded, we're going to invite kids and families to come get backpacks and school supplies and come to know Jesus Christ. Get your focus. Matthew 6, 33. But seek second. I mean, first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all. There's that all word again. And all these things shall be added to you. Get focused. Secondly, get rid of non-flammable material that prevents you from getting fired up. It's called sin. Oops, here it is. Roman Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, how many of you know when the Bible says, therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for? Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you got, how many of you got something you just, it just keeps tripping you up? You don't have to raise your hand. Get rid of that. God bless you. And let us run with endurance. If it doesn't happen in the first 30 days, don't quit. Run with endurance. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne. Get rid of the non-flammable material. Everything that will hold you back, trip you up, slow you down, get rid of it. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse at the moment. <laughs> Don't turn around and go, you holding me back, boom. There's ways you need to get that taken care of. Thirdly, I go back to Luke 24, 32. And they said to one another, remember the disciples after the resurrection, walking down the road, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. Stay in. Seeking, praying. You can pray and not seek God, you know that? Yeah. Oh God, will you help bless me, take care of my family, do this, do that. I really, oh God, God show me. Lord, speak to me, Lord, where, let me see you. Let me see you here. God, open my heart, open my eyes. When you begin to pray, including a mode like that, you're seeking God rather than just dumping a list on him. That you continue in communion with him. That you let him speak to you, your heart burn and he, the Holy Spirit. As you have, have you ever read the word of God and something just jumps out and grabs your heart, your eyes and your nose and your life? Fourthly, goes along. And turn, how do we turn up the dial? 
increase, more flammable material coming into your life. The Word of God. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak in his name anymore. But his word was in my heart. Like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. Friends, music won't do it. Little cute sayings won't do it. The little 140 characters that we are used to getting on Twitter or whatever, Twitter litter or any of that mess, it's okay. But that is not flammable material. There is something about this book. There's just something about it. Read it. Find a way to read it and understand it and let God talk to you. Let it ignite in your soul. You see, you won't have anything to draw from if you've not deposited anything. That's good. Don, you're a good friend of mine. We've known each other for a long, long time. Um, if I asked you to write me a check right now for $500,000 that would clear the bank, could you do that? No, not right at the moment. John is great. I, and I pick out a man who's my friend. He may not have that in that bank account. But if I ask him for, you got a dollar? No, I'm, you, you'll keep your money. Point of it is, you can't give me what he doesn't have. If you haven't put the word of God in your heart, you don't have enough to burn to maintain a red hot temperature in your walk with Jesus Christ. Increase more flammable material. Take it into your life. Not just you go on a, a one weekend eating binge in a seminar or a conference, but you get up every day. How many of you like to eat? I do. How many of you like to eat every day? I do. I'm not gonna ask how many of you like to eat more than once. How many of you like to eat three times a day? I won't ask any more than that because I could embarrass myself. I like to eat. I travel all over the country and in different towns and cities, I have favorite restaurants. I know exactly where to go. You take me to New York City, I'm gonna take you exactly where to go. We were in New York the other day. We knew where to go. I go to LA, I go to Great Bend, Kansas. I know where I like to eat. I got my places. My friend, you see these things and a few more, it's what you do every day. Every day you make a commitment to once a week at least get in your car and come to the house of God with God's people. You drive around the block or several miles. Number five, goes along with what we said, Psalm 39.3. We're talking about how do we turn up the deep. Where the the heat, clicking the dial, so we hit red hot. Psalm 39, verse three, my heart was hot within me while I was musing, while I was meditating, while I was thinking over the word of God, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. Yes. Number six, you may have 10, you may have two. Isaiah 58, verse 10 is an interesting verse that has always challenged me. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. You see, that phrase, if you extend your soul, to me, it's not saying a knee-jerk reaction to a motivational sermon. You run out and you go talk to somebody about Jesus because you heard a sermon that just tweaked you. But it's an internal, if you extend, not your hand, which ought to be, or your feet, but your heart. Amen. If you extend your soul, that God will stretch us. I had a stretching experience yesterday morning. On a trip earlier this summer, I lost my entire key ring. All kinds of keys for everywhere. 
is lost in the Western United States someplace, <laughs> including the fob to my keyless car. How many of you know they ain't cheap? And I wasn't really aware of it. I had mine and my wife said, where's the other fob? I said, don't you have it? <laughs> no. Well, then maybe my daughter didn't give it back to us when she had my car. Call her up, Dad, I gave it back to you. Oh. So that was Friday night. So first thing yesterday morning, I'm going to the dealership to get this thing squared away. Because I figure I'm going to drive to Oklahoma and... Lord knows how the devil will try to steal my keys. <clears throat> uh, a convenient blame. Anyway, so I get there. And there's two guys that I work with at the dealership. One of them I, I go to church with. He's a great guy. And I'm thinking if he's working, we'll just get this thing done. I, don't, I got a birthday party from a grandson tomorrow. We got to get, well, the other fellow is a Muslim. I've worked with him before. He even kind of masks his name a little bit. It's Muhammad, but he goes by Mo, M-O-E. <laughs> well, my buddy from church isn't there. But the Muslim fellow is. And so no problem. I just said, hey, Mo, it's a story. And he's sitting there going, he knows that I work with George, the other fella. And he said, uh, hey, George tells me that you and he go to church together. I said, yeah, we do. He said, uh, what kind of church is it? <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm thinking, okay. Now, I'm not going to say it's a Holy Ghost church. We love Jesus. Uh, you know, that ain't going to wash in that conversation. I, and I just began to get very simplistic. We're evangelical. We believe in the Bible. That Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. All of a sudden, he starts to unpack his whole life to me. Tell me that he's on a search. That he grew up Muslim. And he went to a Buddhist church, or what temple, whatever they call them. And then he went to a Lutheran, and then he went here, and then he went there. And so I just begin to unfold my testimony. He unfolds some of the rugged parts of his life. All of a sudden, I'm kind of thankful that I lost that fall. I'll pay the bill when it comes in on my credit card, straight up. But I'm like, Lord, that's a little stretch today. I wanted to work with the Christian brother. I confess. I would too. That was my first choice. But it wasn't God's choice. If you will extend your, if we are willing to stretch... Here's the rest of the promise in that verse. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, number one, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. He will use you if you stretch inside. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. Well, Brother Scott, you know, I, I like to do that, but I'm not perfect. Ta-da. <laughs> You are a member of a very large club that includes every member of the human race, past, present, and future with the exception of Jesus Christ. Your darkness will become in the noonday. I've discovered that sometimes in my greatest point of need and difficulty and challenge, that if I'll stretch out beyond myself to bless, help, or share with someone else, that somehow God will turn around and meet my situation. God will take care of you. You see, if we'll turn up the heat, if we'll live 
at 2.12. If we'll get on fire, you know when there's a fire, people come out of their house, walk down the block, try to find out what's burning now, don't they? When we were in, uh, we were in LA and they were having fires, we were visiting with some, uh, some alumni, some folks have a great ministry in Hollywood, the Ron and Judy Radicke, the Oasis. And there's a fire coming over. Man, everybody was down in the neighborhood. Where's that fire at? <laughs> My friend, I believe if you really live at 212 and not live cold or lukewarm, but hot, you'll become more attractive for Jesus Christ. People will want to see where the flames are coming from. To be anything less than hot means that our Christian life is being lived at a subnormal level. We become a testimony to the lukewarm life. Making that an example. Some of us ran from church for a while because we saw everybody just kind of lukewarm. I don't want to be a testimony to that. I want people to say, you really love God. Amen. You never smiled before, and now you smile all the time. You were meaner than a junkyard dog. Now you're just a nice old guy, man. You, we just like to be around you. You don't kick the cat and cuss and spit anymore. You tell everybody, hello, good morning. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Sometimes we unwittingly follow examples that were set before us. And that's the way they did it. That's not the way I want to do it. As I read 2 Chronicles 7, 14, I see the people that will really call out to God and will really become agents of change are people, believers that are living their Christian life at 212 degrees. I want to turn up the heat. It's not hot enough for me. I believe the hope for America is that every church becomes a church 212. Like I talked about just a few moments ago. Church 212. In closing, let me give you some evidence and fruit of living a life that is a Christian life that's turned up to heat. Number one, you have an enhanced communion with God our Father. Amen. Secondly, you have the Lord speak to you and you become more prone to receive Holy Ghost promptings in your life. Thirdly, you have an increased appetite for God and good. When you turn up the heat, you want more of God. Fourthly, you have a greater compassion for other people. You have inspired divine thoughts come into your mind. You have some fruit blooming on your tree, like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's incidentally called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You have Holy, gift, Holy Spirit giftings that are more prone to operate in and through your life when you're living at 212. Amen. You become energized for godly kingdom advancing action like serving and blessing and telling someone else about Jesus Christ. All of this and so much more is a result of turning up the heat, living life at the boiling point. I want to live at 212, my friend, as we close this morning in a word of prayer very simply. I hope, I trust and I believe that everyone here at the river desires to live Life 212 with Jesus Christ. Again, I come at it from a guy that never knew church, never knew Christianity, never knew Jesus, didn't even know anything about it. My first taste of Christianity was Christianity 212. In a little church 
on the edge of a little town in Great Bend, Kansas. They were on fire, aflame, people getting saved and healed and knew that God can do anything and everything. Not only in the church house, but all over town, all over central Kansas. That's the hope of America. Not somebody who gets elected, but the church 212. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? In one moment, I'm going to ask for those of you that say, Scott, I, I want to live I choose to live my life at the boiling point with God's help. The Christian Life 212. You may be sitting here this morning saying, you know, Scott, that sounds really, really good. But I've got to be straight up and honest with you that today I, I, I've not been. My heart of my life really isn't being lived in a way that honors and glorifies God. Going to church is a wonderful thing. But I've discovered that going to church never made anyone a Christian any more than if you lived in a garage, you'd become a car. It's a good place to be. But it comes when you personally say, Jesus, I, I open my life to you. You paid the price on the cross for everything wrong, every sin I've ever committed, ever thought of. Lord, you did it. You paid the price for me and I want you to not only forgive me, and live in my life, but I want to, I choose to exchange the life that I'm living for the life you died to give me. I want to make my heart of my life right with God. Maybe, maybe you're a believer, life happens, things, things go down, changes take place, you do things, things are done to you, and your heart is just cooled down. Maybe you've never personally invited Christ to come live inside your life. Whatever the case, you say, Scott, I want to make my heart or my life right with God this morning. With not anyone looking around, let me see your hand right now. Not a person looking around, but you say, I want to make my heart. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You can put that down. Thank you very much. Secondly, here today, you say, Scott, I choose to live my life with the help of God at the boiling point. Life 212 for Jesus Christ. If that's you today, not just raise your hand, but would you stand to your feet right now? I choose to live the Christian life at the boiling point. We've got to turn up the heat, my friend. To see a change, we must turn up the heat. We must in our life, in our prayer, in our communication with God in our connecting and reaching out to other folk, even if God wants to stretch us a little bit, Amen. which I just discovered yesterday morning. As we take a moment in his presence, would you raise your hands to the Lord? That sign of surrender, that sign of yieldingness, also that sign of honor to God. Lord, we love you. We thank you, we praise you, Holy Spirit, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for working with us. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for giving us this moment of time that we are alive here for such a time as this. Jesus, we thank you. In a moment, I want to lead you in a twofold prayer. The first will be for those that want to make their heart or their life right with God. And secondly, we will yield and ask God to help us turn up the heat. You see, the Holy Spirit will remind you of some of these things. And as you make this commitment, you'll become a little bit more aware of what's going on and what you're doing. Some things you'll choose not to do. They may not be overly evil or wicked. Others may, but you cannot. You will choose to live your life at the boiling point with Jesus Christ. Happens every morning when you get out of bed. You don't say, good Lord, it's morning, but how about good morning, Lord? You take a few steps in his presence, in his direction, and call on him. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet stirring of your spirit in our heart, in our mind, in our life. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your work amongst your people.
Thank you, Lord, that you have a people that will have your heart. They'll have your eyes. They will, ha they will be your hands and your feet. Thank you for that, Lord. Let's pray this out loud together right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your loving kindness. You've done more for me than I could ever deserve. Forgive me, Lord, for living my life in a manner that did not please you. Cleanse me and wash my heart of my life. Come live inside of me. I exchange the life that I've been living for the life you have for me. I choose with your help to live my life not cold, not lukewarm, but boiling hot with you. I thank you that you can use my life. You can use all that I am and all that I'm not, all that I have and all that I don't have. You can use everything I'm about to further the gospel in the world I live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give God thanks. Can we do that? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you. It's been a great honor to be here with you today. I do want to just share something. A number of you have come up and said you've been praying for my wife and we are ever, ever so grateful. A little over a year ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, she went through four and a half months chemotherapy, multiple surgeries, 30 some odd radiation treatments. They declared her cancer free. Bless the Lord. Well, I am grateful for that medical terminology are what we hang on to and hang into is totally healed in every with whole. Yes. My prayer is that she not be restored to the strength that she had, which was a lot, but that God would bring her to a new place in a new dimension. Yes. I thank you because doctors do great. Thank the Lord for them. I believe they're part of God's gift to humanity, but we are grateful for the power of God that's been enacted on her behalf because people have continued to stand and pray. She is regaining strength, it's, it is a process. Although when we were on Skid Row in LA just a couple of weeks ago, she was down there in this chapel service there just sharing about the good news of Jesus. She just wasn't, well, you can't keep a good girl down. So I thank you for that. It's been an honor, Pastor Ann. Dr. Dr. Holler to be with you here today. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you.